Hillsong Church is in the news again, targeted with a hit piece from FX and Vanity Fair. Ultra-objective and reliable outlets, for sure. But what can we learn as Christians from this four-part docuseries? Plus, we're doing a deep dive into woke capitalism. What is ESG, DEI, CEI, and how it may have an effect on you and how it also may have met its match in you, the average ordinary American shopper. Just in time for Pride Month, this is your favorite night of the week, The Deep End on Tim Hatch Live. All right, everybody, welcome in to The Deep End on Tuesday night, where we talk about news, politics, social issues from a Christian worldview, season six, episode 34. I'm so glad that you're here. If you would do me a solid favor and hit that like button and the subscribe button, and the notification bell, I know, all three. I'm asking a lot of you right off the bat here because we want to let you know when we go live all the time or when we release new content. We're releasing shorts all the time on YouTube, so make sure that you are subscribed and hitting that notification bell, and you'll be able to see it as soon as it comes out. Yet today we've got to talk about what's going on at Hillsong Church because it's in the news, because Christians are probably concerned about it, talking about it, and they have portrayed them in the most unflattering light I can imagine. So let's do deep end reviews of The Secrets of Hillsong. Yes, coming out just, a think I think last week, it is The Secrets of Hillsong. And you'll see they're on the logo in association with Vanity Fair. It is on FX now. I watched all four episodes. I waited to do any kind of review of the show or the docuseries until I saw all four episodes. Because you never really know what a docuseries is about until it's concluded. And and I, I had my thoughts before the docuseries. I watched the trailer. I thought it was about... Carl Lentz and his kind of coming clean about his affair, his adultery, his indiscretions back in um, November. And uh, if you remember, we actually did a review of another Hillsong documentary on the channel. We will link that below in the description. But um, I, so I thought that that's what this was about. His coming clean. Here's my side of the story. Here's what I did wrong. And I want to make amends and all that kind of stuff. And it did have that content. And to be honest with you, some of that content was quite good. But I really now realize that it was kind of a soft hit piece on Hillsong itself, uh, a medium hit piece on evangelical Christianity and the doctrines, especially the social doctrines of our day. And then it was a major hit piece on Pastor Brian Houston, the founding pastor, or you could say the global lead pastor of Hillsong up until uh, a couple of months ago. So once again, we have a documentary about Hillsong Church. Now, remember at its height, Hillsong had 150,000 people attending on a weekend, I think in 33 locations around the world, 16 of them in America, one of the most well-known churches in the world. Uh, It's experiencing a cataclysmic upending. And people are talking about it. And for those who don't know, the guy there on the screen is Carl Lentz. He was the young and gifted pastor of Hillsong, New York City, which started in 2010. Ironically, the same week as uh, Instagram launched. So there's a lot to that as well. Uh, Carl, Carl Lentz was young, hot, attractive, talented, leading this mega church in downtown New York City, a very secular progressive city, attracting 7,000 to 8,000 worshipers every week. Then in November 2020, he 
was fired for infidelity. And then soon after, more reports came out about several issues regarding his secret sins, his narcissistic behavior. During an interview on the Today Show, uh, his boss, Brian Houston, shortly after Carl's firing, unloaded a series of other accusations against Carl that contributed to the reasoning or the rationale behind his firing. Then in recent weeks and months, more accusations, controversies, and an uncovering of financial records have brought them even through deeper investigation and speculation that non, non-Christian non things are happening from the leadership of Hillsong, particularly in regards to Brian Houston. So people love a good fall from grace story. That's what Hillsong Church has become as of right now in a small part with Carl Lenz and a larger part with Brian Houston and maybe in a medium part with the church itself. Time Magazine wrote about it. Here's how they say it. The Secrets of Hillsong explores how the megachurch attracted celebrities. That's not really what the documentary is about, although it did attract uh, Selena Gomez and uh, Justin Bieber, um, uh, Tyson Chandler. You know, the big the big to do was that Carl Lenz baptized Justin Bieber in Tyson Chandler, New York Nick, uh, his bathtub. Uh, That was back in 2014. And then Carl Lentz appeared courtside with these guys. He was hobnobbing with big time celebrities. There's a lot of exposure in the other documentary about how he and other young pastors would go on these yachts with these celebrities and drink and kind of flirt with women. I I talked about that. And uh, I made a lot of points about that documentary before you can go and watch that content. But this one really was about the church's appeal to um, the world, to young people, and then how it fell. So the first episode is about the rise of Carl Lentz. How does this young, attractive guy become the lead pastor of a 8,000 person megachurch in New York City? Second episode is about his adultery and his confession to his wife, Laura, and then his uh, subsequent firing. The third episode radically shifts gears and goes all the way back to the 1950s, dealing with Frank Houston, Brian Houston's father, and I think really the the true founder of Hillsong Church, although it wasn't called Hillsong Church back then. Uh, But he was a pedophile. He actually confessed to Brian Houston. And that actually comes out in episode three, where he does confess to his son, Brian Houston, that the accusations of his sexual molestation of young boys was true. Now, uh, Frank Houston died in 2004. So there's no way to prosecute him now. And and a lot of the uh, documentary deals with the fact that the victims are still hurt and they don't know what to do. And, and, um, you know, now they kind of like aiming their targets at Uh, Brian Houston, who is scheduled to be in court, I believe, this June once again. So they will finally make a judgment on his involvement to the extent that he knew of Frank Houston's molestation and how far he knew, how much he knew about it. And why didn't he report when he should have at the time he found out about it back in 1998? There is a a claim by a former worship leader, music director at Hillsong Church that left the church years ago that Brian Houston told him about the molestation charges back in, or molestation realities of his father's molestation activities back in the early 1990s. Brian Houston um, defends the fact that he only knew back in 1998. Anyway, a lot of he said, he said kind of stuff around there. The fourth episode covers the fallout from all of that and Brian Houston's exit, uh, his extravagant expenditures on vacations and travel, as well as his payoffs to some women who brought accusations against him of impropriety on his part. So four parts. They're about an hour long each. Lots of commercials. So DVR it and then fast forward if you if you're me. 
I will say this about the the documentary. It is well done, well produced, very artistically well done. It catches your eye. It holds your attention. It's dramatic. The music is amazing. The technique of this docu-series is incredible. The cinematography, how they capture scenes. That's really powerful. It's going to appeal to a large audience for that sake alone. It's also going to appeal to a large audience because no one, <laughs> every, not, not no one, everyone loves to see the mighty fall. I mean, <laughs> this is Americanism. We love to build them up and then we love to see them fall, don't we? We love to build up Michael Jackson and then we tear him down to the ground. We like to, you know, build up the televangelist and we tear him down to the ground. Build up the politician, tear him down to the ground. That's Americanism. That's what this documentary is. This is about the tearing them down so that we can all feel good about our own theories because at least we didn't fail as big or as epically as that person or that church or that building or whatever you want to say. Now, a couple of things that I want to address from the docuseries because it is a big part of the docuseries. Uh, of course, they're going to address LGBTQ issues regarding Hillsong. There is an ironic paradox um, because people looked in New York City at Hillsong and said, wow, it's very progressive in its style. That is its music and its um, atmosphere, you know, big screens, big lights, cameras, young, hip, cool pastor wearing skinny jeans and, you know, Gucci shirts and Armani jackets and whatever you have there. So you, you, you've got this appeal there. It looks progressive, looks progressive. But then when you peel back the curtain, you see it's very theologically orthodox on social issues, particularly on homosexuality and transgenderism. And it even gets to the point where Mike Cosper of the Rise and Fall of Mars Hill podcast fame says it's an evangelical church. What did you expect? I literally has to say that, you know, you don't go to an evangelical church and get affirmation on the LGBTQ issues. And at some point, you know, the LGBTQ, LGBTQ people or community has to say we don't fit there. And no matter how cool they look, we probably shouldn't go there if we're looking for affirmation to our lifestyle. Although that is technically up in the air when you consider Andy Stanley and some of these other churches that are starting to embrace or at least silently affirm the LGBTQ lifestyle. Uh, it highlights this Survivor contestant. I, I was a huge fan of Survivor for many, many years until 2020. And one of the, I guess there was a choir director. And I remember when this happened, a choir director that worked in Hillsong, New York City was a Survivor contestant. And then it kind of blew up because while Carl Lentz knew that this Survivor contestant was in a homosexual relationship with his boyfriend and sitting in the front row and, and leading choir in Hillsong, New York City, Brian Houston was not aware. So Brian Houston had to kind of step in and set things straight. And then they fired him or you know removed him from leadership. And then he flipped out because he was supposed to be in this place where he was accepted to be as he was. And here, here's where I fall on this. The evangelical church, and I'm talking about the conservative theologically sound evangelical churches. We have got to do some work on our messaging to the world because we have overemphasized the whole come as you are mantra. Even outside my church, there's a sign that says come as you are, which is kind of ironic that I'm talking about this now. But anyway, come as you are, come as you are, come as you are. And then we say this to LGBTQ people and then they come and then we're like, okay, now you can't do absolutely anything in this church except sit here and listen until you change. And I think that we've got to start wrestling with the fact that this is totally disingenuous. We, we've got to stop saying that. It, maybe we need to change the language to come to change. <laughs> you know, like, yeah, come as you are to change into somebody different. 
We absolutely want anybody to be able to walk through the doors of our church. I don't care what your sin is. I don't care what your background is. Jesus was the friend of sinners. The church is a hospital for sinners. We say that all the time, and it is absolutely true. We've got to love sinners because we are sinners, and we were sinners, and we were separated from God, and we must love those who are separated from God because he loved us when we were separated from him. But our messaging, our marketing appeal... I think we've got to do work on our language because it's bait and switch for homosexuals, isn't it? At evangelical churches, it's bait and switch. Come, 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 and now sit, 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 and shut, 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 shut up because you are not right with God in this lifestyle. Now, those are true things. Homosexuality is outside of the bonds of biblical morality. There is no doubt about that. Nobody can make a biblical justifiable argument for homosexuality unless you really ignore the biblical text. And... Um, there's plenty of people who are willing to do that. So you, you've got a lot of that on this uh, documentary about LGBTQ because that's always just going to be a fight. It's just going to be a fight until there's some kind of, I don't know, cultural revolution and one side's going to win. It's just a fact. Either the homosexual lobby and, and community is going to win and shut down the church and the church is going to completely cave or the church is going to redeem and recreate society and bring it back to normalcy, or Jesus is going to come back, or some mixture of all three of those things <laughs> is going to happen. Then the second biggest issue on the episode, uh, particularly episode one and two, was the BLM movement and Carl's radical embrace of it. And I remember this because I was going through this as a lead pastor of a church. The BLM movement, the Summer of Love, the George Floyd death, and all that kind of stuff swept across evangelical church. Young evangelicals were all on board with BLM, older evangelicals, and, and you know, midlife evangelicals like myself were like, no, wait, I know BLM. I know its foundations. I know that it was founded to upend the um, nuclear family, which I call the biblical family. I know it was, uh, invent it was established to um, elevate trans voices and queer voices into the culture. I knew that it wasn't really about black lives. It was really about uh, sexual deviancy and promotion into the culture. Carl Lentz came out and interviewed one of the founders of BLM. I don't know if you're aware of this. There's a video circulating on the internet. You could, you could probably find it. It was on Hillsong's YouTube channel for a long time. I watched it. I was appalled that here we have this evangelical pastor kind of just siding with this BLM founder who literally exists to upend biblical marriage, biblical understanding of family. And Carl was big into it. And he talks in this in this docuseries about how he faced down critics who were did not understand why he was so pro BLM. And, and even the black people from the church that attended the church in the 2010 to 2016 range who loved Carl, even for them, he did not do enough. It was, it was amazing to watch that in the uh, documentary. The black people who attended his church uh, complained that it wasn't diverse enough. He does something to make it more diverse, although he wanted to be more organically diverse. And they said, no, racism. I, I liked that part. They said racism didn't happen organically, so it cannot be undone organically. I agree with that. Like racism was uh, intentional. So diversity has to be intentional. And I can agree with that about, you know, ethnic diversity within the church. But anyway, Carl gets all in on the BLM movement. He is preaching Black Lives Matter. I saw the messages. I saw him chanting it. I saw him totally talking about it. He loved it. And yet even for that, even all that he did at the end of the day, when this documentary is produced, the black people who were in his church said he did not do enough. And it just 
kind of underlies one of the frustrations that I've always had with the Black Lives Matter movement is that it will never be enough because it is rooted, it is rooted, remember, in sexual deviancy. So it will never be enough. It will never be enough, no matter what you do, because the flesh is never satisfied. The flesh, the sexual morality, the evil heart that's in all of us, never, if we feed it, it just wants more. And that's why, as I've always said on this channel, and I will say without apology, Black Lives Matter organization is not about black lives. It is about the destruction of society. It is a quasi-Marxist social revolution intent on destroying the cultural West and the historical roots of Christianity that attributed to the rise of the cultural West. One crazy quote, too, that came from the documentary was that the accusation was that Hillsong came to New York City to colonize New York City, which is hideously uh, ignorant. Uh, and then one of the main themes was Laura's recollection of Carl's adultery with their nanny. And this is big because this, this, this is, this documentary actually took on the me too craze and undermined it uh, amazingly. So in episode two, Laura Lentz, Carl's wife is talking her story through up to when Carl confessed to his adultery and then the accusations that have come out about their nanny with whom Carl supposedly had uh, a sexually abusive relationship. In fact, this person's name is Leona Dimes. She was the pastor's wife of the Hillsong Boston location and she wrote on medium.com her story, the article titled Writing My Voice Back and uh, she talks about like loving being in the church, grew up in the church, longed to help in the kids program, loved worship. She uh, moved from Australia across the world to help build New York, Hillsong, New York City. She joined the team. She was excited. She became the nanny to, the, um, to Carl Lentz and Laura Lentz. And then she writes in this article, this article came out May 31st, 2021, so two years ago. She writes, while there were joyful moments during that time, no one knew that I also experienced a great deal of pain during the years I spent serving them. I was subjected to manipulation, control, bullying, abusive power, sexual abuse. Having told almost no one before this, I'm now just able to share what I experienced in their home as a result of intense therapy. Now, this article comes out at the height of the Me Too movement, uh, at the height of the Believe All Women movement, at the height of all of that kind of stuff. And so she just tells her one-sided view of it. And here's the deal, friends. Think about this. If we have to believe all women, then we have to believe Laura Lentz's recantation, uh, recounting of this story, which undermined a lot of what Leona Kimes said in this article. And where Leona Kimes says that uh, Carl made unwanted advances, Laura, Laura Lentz says that it was consensual. And Carl Lentz says it was consensual. consensual. And, Car and Laura actually says that they f she found Leona and Carl in a compromising position and then went off on them both physically and attacked them. There was also this moment where she talks, Laura Lentz talks about this. She told Leona to go home on Christmas morning because she was just staying at her house with their kids and her kids were being watched by another nanny who was hired by Hillsong to watch her kids. And so, you know, if you're going to make the accusation that this, this couple demanded long hours, if you read the article, you can read the articles yourself. She, they demanded long hours. She worked from 7 a.m. to 11 p.m. She was overworked. She had a different day off than her husband. It was exhausting. It was all these kind of abusive, manipulative tactics. And yet, here Laura Lentz is telling you to go home on Christmas and you refuse. Literally, that's what Laura Lentz says in the documentary. She refused to go home. I bring this up to you because the believe all women ideology is insanity. You can't believe all women, just like you can't believe all men. You can't believe all people. <laughs> the scripture actually says the exact opposite. Let all men be a liar and God be true. 
<laughs> I am, the heart is deceitful, deceitful, desperately wicked. Out of the heart of man comes lies and, and slander and gossip. And everyone sees themselves today as victims. That's what the Me Too movement and the BLM movement and the LGBTQ movement are all about. All three. That's the holy trinity of victim mentality. Me Too, BLM, and LGBTQ. I am a victim because I am this. And society has done me wrong. And now listen to my story and I will tell you my story. And you can't argue with my story because you did not have my lived experience. And only my lived experience is gospel truth. And so you cannot challenge it. And so this was really interesting to see the documentary kind of undermine Leona Kimes' own testimony of sexual abuse. Anyway, I'll leave the rest of you watching it. It is a total hit piece. Actually, no, I still have some more. Uh, just so you know, a couple things uh, about what has happened since Carl Lentz left. He was in silence for about two years, although a couple of cryptic tweets of his are out there. And then Transformation Church has hired him. Uh, this is reported in abcnews.com. Ousted Hillsong pastor Carl Lentz takes Oklahoma church job. Uh, Transformation Church juggernaut in town, complete, replete with megachurches, has confirmed that Lentz, who was fired from Hillsong in 2020 with an extramarital affair came out, has joined its staff. They say they gladly welcomed Carl to Transformation Church, not as a preacher, uh, according to Tammy McWaters, the church's executive pastor of operations, uh, he will join the church in the role of being used in the restoration ministry. So Carl went through rehab and actually talks quite well about the Christian rehab that he went through. And I really actually appreciated that because he was addicted to prescription drugs. Um, I don't know about alcohol, although I'm sure he abused alcohol far too much. And then, of course, his sexual addictions and delving into his own uh, issues with regards to being sexually abused as a child himself, going through a 12 step recovery program and seeing the merits of that program to help him deal with some real deep rooted internal issues, which I can appreciate. I think that sometimes Christians and churches um, sometimes, not all the time, but can make issues of the human heart way too simple when the human heart is far more complicated than we realize. And so we'll just say, well, repent, we'll stop it. Well, don't do that. And yet we have to understand why people are doing that. What is in their past? What is in their history? What is in their life that keeps leading them down these destructive patterns of behavior? And I think the church does have to do a lot better of a job with that. I don't think we have to, um, again, play the victim mentality card, but we can definitely help people through their challenges uh, with these issues. But anyway, Transformation Church. I mean, we've highlighted Transformation Church on this show before. Remember, in case you forgot, Transformation Church was the church that had this highlight reel of a Easter uh, performance where Jesus is on the cross in the background while three women are in the front discussing the size of their butts on Easter weekend. Yikes. Uh, anyway, that's the documentary uh, that I have to say about it. Here's the um, director's take on what she envisioned the documentary to be. Her name is Stacy Lee. She's Australian. Here's what she intended for the documentary. And I do appreciate her words, but I want to speak a little bit more about it after we watch, after we watch what she says, watch. As I said at the beginning, it's not a takedown of religion in any sense. It's an ability to like understand the goods that's done, but also the lines that are crossed that are bad and how to look out for those. Because we live in a culture where celebrity worship personality worship is just you know in every stage of the not just religion hillsong ultimately is a worship of, of jesus of god and i hear this over and over again in the interviews is like that needs to look like god it needs to like act like god and when you start to kind of measure it by those standards you start to see something very different i'm not a religious person myself 
And I also don't see this as a, a necessarily a straightforward story about re, uh, religion. I think this is a story about our culture. This is a story about our time. This same system within church and idolization and, you know, power structure and, and all of these kind of things. Look to Hollywood, you know, <laughs> look to the finance industry, look to politics. This is a story that transcends all of those things. And we just happen to be telling one that happens to take place within a church. So I understand what she is saying. And I, to that end, I would like to share some great or good, good takeaways from the documentary. Number one is that power, fame, money, and talent can be corrosive. Notice that I don't say are corrosive. Uh, power itself is not corrosive, but it can be corrosive. Same thing with fame. Like everybody knew about David. He didn't let fame actually corrode him. <laughs> he didn't. He, he actually, he um, constantly sought humility in spite of his fame. Uh, money can be corrosive. It doesn't always have to be corrosive. You have Nicodemus with a lot of money. You have Zacchaeus with a lot of money. You have um, a very noble and wealthy women funding Jesus' ministry with a lot of money. They were not corroded by money, but they can be. And I think that a church that focuses too much on these issues, on these things, or, or, or seeks them, power, fame, money, talent, you got to watch out for them because the gospel is powerful. It will produce disciples. It will produce results. Churches should grow. I am not of the opinion that a smaller church is a faithful church. I talked about this in the last time we talked about the Hillsong documentary before. A faithful church is not defined by its size. You can have a large faithful church. You can have a small faithful church. You can have a large unfaithful church. You can have a small unfaithful church. Believe me, I've been in, I've been in both. I've been in all four of those situations, okay? You've, you've got to measure the the church's faithfulness by its adherence to doctrine and scripture and telling people what is true. The second good takeaway that it shows is pastors are people and they are very flawed. And I am a pastor and I can freely admit this. We are very flawed people. We are not Jesus. I know we represent Jesus, but we need Jesus. Always think about that when you go to church. Your pastor, as much as he preaches for Jesus, he also needs Jesus. And a little behind the scenes insight into pastors' minds, when they're preaching, they're preaching at themselves, usually first, before they're preaching to you. So if you have a problem with it, there's a good chance that with what he's saying, he has a problem with what he's saying, and he's trying to disciple himself through the word. Uh, thirdly, you cannot win the world by being like the world. This is what I was talking about with the LGBT, you know, messaging from the evangelical church that holds to traditional scripture on the issues of marriage and sexuality. We are going to have to do work here for homosexuals to say, look, this is probably not the place for you. If you want to, this is definitely not the place for you. If you want to hold on to that life, if you want to hold on to that sin, don't come. <laughs> Maybe we need to start saying that. I don't know because the bait and switch move, it causes a lot of confusion and we can't win the world by being like the world. Uh, number one, uh, number four, kill your sin or sin will be killing you. This is a quote from John Owen. He's a Puritan pastor, a writer from the 1600s. And I agree with this so much. Uh, one of the most powerful quotes from the documentary is the first words of Carl, who doesn't even show up until the end of the first episode. And he sits down and he says, you do not want to be in this seat. Believe me, you do not want to be in this seat. And I agree. The reason he was in that seat is because he did not kill the sin in his life. And consequently, his sin 
killed him. And then larger churches trend towards shallower confessions. And this one is something that I am wrestling with myself as I am the pastor of a large church. And we have got to go deeper even as we get larger because there's two ways to win a crowd. There's two ways, the false way and the right way. And pastors are wrestling with this every single week. The false way is to lighten the teaching so that you appeal to a broader audience. You know, we want to be appealing to as many people as possible. So let's not talk about real deep heart issues. Let's not talk about homosexuality. Let's not talk about abortion. Let's not talk about, you know, uh, racism. Let's not talk about whatever. And so we will, we will make the, the pool shallow to win as many uh, adherents or attendees as possible. But that's not faithful ministry. Faithful ministry is you, you go deep into the word, you prick the conscience of the worship leader, worship leader, the worshiper, as often as the word needs to prick their conscience. And they are hopefully convicted and transformed through the preaching of the word. A light goes on. They are discipled in the word and they change through the power of the Holy Spirit. And then you have a church that is strong in the word, not addicted to crowds, not addicted to the experience. One of the things that you see about the first episode is how everything that was said about Hillsong Church was in regards to how it made people feel, how it made people uh, experience things and, and saw things. And it was charismatic, not in the theological sense, but in the presentation sense. And Carl was attractive. And all of those things are the most important elements that these people saw about the church. That's, that's not a good church. If your church is talked about on a regular basis because the pastor is good looking <laughs> or the, the um, atmosphere is uh, attractive or it's like a concert, uh, that's, that's not a good church. And if sinners are comfortable in the seats and not being convicted in the seats, something's wrong. Second Timothy 4.3, the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers that will suit their own passions and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander into myths. Um, you know, if you need all of these important people to build your church, then you are undermining what Paul said about himself when he came to the Corinthians and he said, I came to you without lofty speech or wisdom of man. I came to you knowing nothing except Jesus Christ and him crucified. I was with you in weakness and fear and much trembling. We have historical reports that the apostle Paul was not even that attractive of a man. He actually kind of looked ugly, to be honest with you. If you read historical accounts of what he looked like. And we have got to be aware of these things because churches today we, we're, we're, what we're wrestling with now culturally is a generation of churches that were all about the seekers and the reaching people far from God for at any, at any cost. And they produced a generational impact in their sons who don't now know the truth. They don't how they don't know how to wrestle for the truth of the faith. And the results have been cataclysmic to our culture. The, the, the deterioration of our culture is in large part to the, uh, weakening of the church's culture. So those are the good takeaways. Let's talk about some of the bad takeaways, and that is how they go after Brian Houston. At the end of the day, again, this is a major hit piece on Pastor Brian Houston, who is now out of the ministry and out of leadership of, of Hillsong Church, for better or for worse. Um, they talk a lot about his transformation from a pastor, like a pastor pastor, to a prosperity-driven pastor. That's in episode uh, four, they talk about his financial expenditures, which were excessive luxury 
Jets luxury uh, vacations on the church's dime for him and his families and his friends. Uh, his indiscretions with two women to whom he paid hush money to keep quiet. The non-disclosure agreements that he insisted employees and serve team members sign. I don't know why a church needs NDAs in the first place. That's insanity to me. Like, what are you hiding that you need somebody to not disclose it? And then fairly or unfairly adjudicating his knowledge of his uh, father's molestation of children. Because let's face it, if your father is old, um, really think about this. And your testimony puts him in jail for life. Uh, do you do you report it? I mean, I, I know we all want to be. I know. Trust me. Even as I say it, I'm like, I, I can't believe I'm saying this. But think about it really. You know, you are going to testify to your father's actions and he's 80 some odd years old and you know if you say it to a court your father goes to prison do you do that i would love to be able to say that i would do that but i don't know if i would do that and i guarantee you that you don't know if you would do that either maybe you're a purist and maybe you have no problem doing it. maybe you hate your father and you'd be glad to do it i don't know maybe maybe you're the victim of your father and you'd be glad to do it i get that but I, I can understand why he may have held on to the information, tried to keep it quiet because nobody wants to see their elderly parent in jail in the last years of their life. Nobody. Mm -mm. So there's a couple of things you need to understand. They are checking the boxes of uh, secular entertainment. Christianity is homophobic. White Christians are racist. Big churches are financially corrupt. Big church pastors are serial adulterers and greedy. And organized religion is a serious cancer on society. I mean, they've got to check those boxes because that's what entertainment does. Now, let's do a little quick review. It is put together in association with Vanity Fair, and it's right there on the screen. Vanity Fair put this show together and vanity fair is the one who brought you the first picture of caitlin jenner a 55 year old former olympian who calls himself caitlin <laughs> graced the cover of vanity fair in 2015 in last year uh, madonna graced vanity fair again as in mocking imagery of the catholic faith uh, vanity fair has a very liberal media bias rating uh, according to biasly.com this is the same vanity fair who put out a Article last week, the title of the article is, quote, report Ron DeSantis will formally announce his 2024 bid with Elon Musk because apparently David Duke wasn't available. David Duke is the head of the KKK. So, you know, this is journalistic credibility right here with Vanity Fair. Uh, Vanity Fair, who stopped a staff writer, according to the New York Times, stopped a staff writer from exposing Jeffrey Epstein in 2003. Vicki Ward, a staff writer for Vanity Fair, had the receipts that Jeffrey Epstein was operating a sex operation on his pedophile island that was frequented by President Obama, President Clinton, Bill Gates, and other notable important names in our society. And uh, Graydon Carter, the editor of 25 years, had to step down in 2017 when this report came out. This is Vanity Fair. So consider the source of the Hillsong documentary. Vanity Fair, who published a lie-filled piece in cooperation with a gossip magazine editor claiming that President Trump planned to poison 60% of the nation's waterways. I mean, more foolishness I cannot imagine from an, a journalistic endeavor. This, this is Vanity Fair. So, all that to say this, consider the source of the Secrets of a Hillsong docu-series. And that is my review, and I hope it helps you. And today we move on to a deep dive into woke capitalism because it does have everything to do with what we just talked about concerning the church 
and its wrestling with current society. So understanding what capitalism, the deep dive, the deep end, sorry, investigates. Let's go to understanding woke capitalism. Now, when we talk about woke capitalism, what do we mean? And this is a terminology that you need to get familiar with. Here is what I have defined woke capitalism as. It is top-down institutional redefinition of what it takes to do business in America. What businesses are required to do, to believe, to promote, in order to continue doing business in America. And woke capitalism, again, is top-down. That means that there are some people, there are puppet masters, pulling the strings to make sure that the most notable names in business uh, uh, enculturate you into the woke mind virus. If you're working in business in almost any corporation in America right now, there's a good chance that the company you work for is already implementing these policies and threatening your freedom of speech and your conscience as a Christian. I have a member of my church who was recently fired and she was part of the DEI um, a group in her company, but simply because of her Christian views. She was a good worker. She had great reviews and she was fired, fired because her views personally threatened other people in her company. This is where we are headed and you have to pay attention here. This, I cannot tell you, is important for you because it's going to undermine your freedom. And then I'm going to tell you what we need to do as Christians as a result. Okay, so... Woke capitalism, let's get more into definitions, is a uh, lethal concoction or combination of DEI, that's diversity, equity, inclusion, and those uh, important priorities. Then it's ESG, which is environmental, social, and governance standards that businesses have to hold to to be considered acceptable from the puppet masters of our culture right now. And then it's CEI, which we are going to talk to in just a moment. That's a subset of ESG. You add all those things together. Oh, and CEI is a subset, is a product of the human rights campaign, the most pro-LGBTQIA lobby in America, the most pro-powerful, financially wealthy LGBTQIA lobbying institutions in America. And they promote CEI, and you're going to see what that's all about. Uh, this is how you get America Today, which is some kind of hybrid combination of the Pride campaign and historical, you know, uh, Americanism that coalesce into this new America that you are probably wondering, where did this come from? And what happened to the America that I knew? Uh, so what is ESG? Let's talk about that. E environmental social and governance criteria is a framework companies use to evaluate their sustainability. Environmental factors look at the conservation of the natural world. So that's climate alarmism. Social factors examine how a company treats people both inside and outside the company and governance. And by the way, social factors means sexual identity factors. That's what that means. And then governance factors consider how a company is run. Here are some examples, and, and we won't go into those. That's I just got that off of a, a page describing ESG. So anyway, ESG is about how businesses do businesses. And, uh, and, and it really doesn't have anything to do with selling good products. And it really has nothing to do with satisfying the customer. And it really has nothing to do with um, making a profit anymore. It really has everything to do with checking certain boxes that the puppet masters believe you need to check in order to continue to be a profitable or an acceptable, let's put that term out there, an acceptable uh, corporation in America today. So... The HRC, the Human Rights Campaign, 
like I just said, is the largest LGBTQIA lobbying organization in the country. It holds every corporation in America accountable to its CEI score. Now, CEI stands for Corporate Equity Index. And I have here on the screen the Corporate Equality Index report of 2022 from the Human Rights Campaign, and you need to pay attention to what they're measuring. And then we're going to talk about who funds the Human Rights Campaign, and you will not guess. Well, you probably could guess it. Let me know in the comments below if you can guess it before I get there. So the commitment of the businesses have got to be to LGBTQ plus employees. That is uh, sexual orientation, non-discrimination policy, gender identity, non-discrimination policy, domestic partner benefits, transgender inclusive benefits, including health care for transgenders, which includes paying for surgeries, top surgeries, sex change surgeries, all those kind of things. Organizational uh, LGBTQ competency. That means you have to know everything and feel everything and experience everything that they have. You want, they want you to experience. There's a public commitment to the LGBTQ plus community. So you have to march in the parades. You have to fund the parades. You have to support the parades. You have to be all in on pride. And these people have billions of dollars and thousands of lawyers and lobbyists in Washington, D.C., making sure that your congressman hears about them and from them every single day. I'm, I'm trying to tell you that the, the, the move that we see in our culture right now is orchestrated by a very select few of people who are in league with the WEF, the World Economic Forum, and the globalists and the billionaires who are trying to redefine the world according to a billionaire globalist mindset. So this is not just a deterioration of society because the gospel isn't being preached enough. No, these are the gods of this world being used as puppets by the God of this world, Satan, to try to destroy you, to come for you, to intimidate you, to imprison you potentially in the future. Uh, some of the, 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 the companies that get the 100% score on the CEI uh, measurement, the index, let's put them up on the screen. Walmart, Amazon, Exxon, Apple, CVS, Berkshire Hathaway, AT&T, Ford, not pictured Verizon, wireless, uh, you know, the big companies, the glamorous companies. Uh, you will notice that you don't see any waste management companies uh, on that list. So they appeal to the popular products, uh, Nike and others. And, and that's why you're seeing their advertising campaigns go so crazy woke. Because if they don't, they get a low score on the CEI index. And then the lobbyists go to Washington and tell Washington to pass laws that don't, don't benefit their company financially. You understand what again i'm trying to show share, show you this is coordinated okay this is coordinated and to be ignorant of it is to be a sitting duck um to just think well it's just a deterioration of culture and there's nothing we can do about it it is that in some ways but at the same time there is something that we can do about it and we are doing it and we need to continue to do it to fight back and to push back against this nonsense. One of the uh, human rights campaign's criteria for measurement is an internal education of employees on LGBTQ ideology. And that's important because many of you who go to the, the workplace every day, possibly in the last three years, you were invited to a re-education seminar. You had to learn different ways to talk now and learn different ways to think now. And this is, you know, <clears throat> Expanding our diversity and our approach and making us a more empathetic, uh, you know, institution. So, so, so that is one of the key criteria for measuring a company's CEI score. Secondly, is the outreach or engagement with the LGBTQ plus community. Now, I had a guy who works with a major car company's financial industry. He's in my church. 
and he gets gl glowing reviews. He gets glowing reviews every time he's reviewed by his boss. But he told me that this past review that he got this year, he had scored A plus on every criterion except his engagement with the LGBTQ plus community. And he said it was a diversity score on the little, on the little review sheet. And, and his boss literally said to him, and I'm not talking about racial equity and I'm not talking about racial diversity. I'm talking about LGBTQ and you need to get more on board with this if you're going to get better reviews going in the future. And your reviews dictate your raise. And so your financial life is tied to whether or not you support, promote and celebrate LGBTQ ideology. This is what's happening in corporate America, top-down redefinition of what it means and what it takes to do business in our country. I show you this graph from the Human Rights Campaign website where they talk about a 22 times increase in companies with transgender-inclusive health benefits from 2009 to 2021. So this means that your company's health insurance plans will cover transgender surgeries for your coworkers, which will increase your premiums exponentially because all the data shows that if you get a sex change, which is really not a sex change, you can't change your sex, but if you lop off your genitals or sew one on, all the scientific evidence and biological evidence shows that you are in surgeries for life. You are on pills for life. You are back to a doctor's office every month or every three months for life because you can't make a hole where a hole doesn't belong in your body. You just, you just can't, your body will try to heal it up and sew it up. So you got to go back to the doctor. And what do you think the health industry and the uh, pharmaceutical industrial complex that's in legal their government thinks about that? All they see is dollar signs for you. All they see is you can fund their futures. You're padding their retirements. Remember, friends, you don't make money off of healthy people. And you don't make money off of dead people. You make money off of sick people. And so this, this, culturally created sickness of transgender ideology being foisted upon our children, being foisted upon our kids to make them lifelong dependence on the industrial pharmaceutical complex is coming to America right now. And it's going to cost us in ways we can't not even imagine. So we can look at how points are, are awarded on the woke rating or the CEI, the corporate equity index scale. I've got this uh, graphic up on the screen. So workforce protections, no discrimination based on sexual orientation or gender ide ideology, get five points. <laughs> this is like a Jeopardy game. Inclusive benefits, 50 points. Supporting an inclusive culture, 25 points. Corporate social responsibility, 20 points. That means marketing or advertising to LGBT code customers. That's why Dylan Mulvaney is advertising for Bud Light and Nike sports bras. And then you have number five. Look at number five. Responsible citizenship. You get deducted points from your CEI index, if you give money to organizations whose primary mission includes advocacy against LGBTQ equality, which is not defined, but could include Christian groups. So you see that this has been programmed top down from the lobbyists in Washington, D.C. and supported by billionaires and one very notable billionaire. I take you to the human rights campaign uh, honoring uh, Human Rights Day with grants to global LGBTQ advocates. And one of the organizations providing most of the funding is the Open Society Foundation, giving grants to companies that promote LGBTQ advocacy. And who 
founded and runs the Open Society Foundation, but billionaire, billionaire business magnate George Soros. And again and again and again, we come back to this guy because he is literally Magneto. Magneto? Magneto. Exactly what um, Elon Musk was criticized for last week. Remember, if you, talk, if you were here with the deep end. I don't care. Yeah, we need to start saying that. We don't care. So this is woke capitalism orchestrated by billionaires and lobbyists and, and uh, attorneys in Washington, top-down redefinition of what it takes or what's required to do business in America. Now, there are some dangers here to woke capitalism, and some of these companies are starting to wake up to the dangers. Uh, so first off, the dangers for you. Let's take a look at Target. Now, Target, this is from Fox News. Uh, the report here is Target partners with organization pushing for kids' genders to be secretly changed in schools without parental consent. And so they work with an organization called Gleason. Uh, that a Gleason is um, a LGBTQIA organization that promotes all of this anti-racist spaces for LGBTQ students. They call for gender ideology to be integrated into all classes, even math. It provides educators instructions on how they can make math more inclusive of trans and non-binary identities, including they, them pronouns in word problems. <laughs> they are also working to make sure that your kid stays your kid's gender identity stays quiet from you, parents. This is Target. Target supporting them, giving them $2.1 million in funding. Uh, the article goes on and says this. In another example, Gleason recommended that teachers intervene if students are making graphs about sex and gender to ensure it includes the ideology supported by Gleason. When students are created their own surveys, if they want to include data for biological sex, teachers need to be sure that they include both intersex and other choices. Uh, Gleason also spotlighted recommendations from a teacher who discussed incorporating gender ideology into science. This is the testimony of a teacher funded by Gleason, uh, supported by Gleason, which is funded by Target at a public school. Look at what he says. It took me three years of teaching middle school science before feeling comfortable enough to come out to my students as a trans man. We were starting a unit focus on how identity impacts the practice of science, including the ways that specific groups are marginalized by normative ideas. The teacher says, in the introduction to the unit, I shared my personal experience of the ways that trans people are often erased by the language used by scientists and medical professionals and described bodies, patients, and health practices. To date, the retail giant Target has donated $2.1 million to Gleason, which offers districts and students guidance on how to hide gender transition from parents. So... This is a high scoring on the CEI index company, Target, founded by a Christian, by the way, which has been totally co-opted by the secular progressives and the sexual crazies to promote this ideology in public schools. And if you shop at Target now, I'm just telling you, you are crazy. You need to stop supporting companies that hate you. Parents, you need to stop supporting companies that hate you. They do. They hate you. They don't care about you. They care about their CEI index score. And it's insanity. Kohl's is another one. This just came out this week. Kohl's is now offering pride gear for infants. Imagine dressing your children in this stuff. Imagine a onesie that says happy pride. And they are actually facing some backlash for promoting this stuff. Now, this is happening in corporate America when all the science proves again and again and again that the trans ideology and the transition ideology and the drugs and the therapies and the surgeries actually make things worse. This is from the Post Millennial. 
Reports showing that trans kids prescribed more antipsychotic meds after ben beginning gender transition than before. A 2021 study of military youth has revealed that not only were minors with severe mental illness allowed to embark upon experimental medical sex changes, but also that prescriptions for antipsychotic drugs actually increased after hormonal interventions were initiated. The study, published in the Journal of Sexual Medicine, uh, right there in the NIH there, you can see it in the screen, examined by the Department of Defense medical records of 3,700 trans-identified adolescents and 6,600 siblings who did not identify as trans transgender. The findings reveal no improvement in mental health after commencing hormone interventions and an increase in prescriptions for psychotropic medication. Kids are getting worse as a result. This article states um, the results are that uh, transgender adolescents were more likely to have mental health diagnoses after being given these pharmaceutical medications. Uh, using gender-affirming pharmaceuticals, mental health care did not significantly change in many of them or got worse. So the data is out there again and again that all this ideology actually hurts kids, doesn't help them. Another report just came out from the country of Norway. It has found out that transgender students reported significantly more psychosocial burdens of all, on all measures. There was no significant difference in any of the measures between the binary and non-binary transgender students. And the conclusion of this article says that we need to increase awareness about the welfare and health of transgender students. In other words, uh, we're wrong about this ideology. If we keep promoting this ideology, it's going to hurt kids. And so maybe we need to get a little bit more knowledgeable about this ideology before we keep pushing this ideology. Uh, and it's not going to stop because, again, like I said, it's top down. It is orchestrated and it is foisted upon our culture and the powerful are in charge, unfortunately. Meanwhile, the talking heads at MSNBC says that if you boycott any of these companies, you are a terrorist. Watch. When Target caves into this, then it says that the moment you threaten the employees of even a very large corporation, you get to control its policies. This is economic terrorism, literally terrorism, creating fear among the workers and forcing the corporations to sell the things you want, and not sell the things you don't. So, yeah, you're a terrorist. Stop drinking Bud Light. You're a terrorist. Stop shopping at Target or Kohl's. You're a terrorist. And don't go to Disney. Oh, you are definitely a terrorist because Disney has gone extremely woke. Taking the cake, ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> for the most insane woke thing ever is the Bippity Boppity Boutique at Disneyland in Anaheim, California. <laughs> I bring you this video of a man dressed as a fairy godmother welcoming parents into the Bippity Boppity Boutique where they can spend $250 on a Disney dress. Watch. Hello, my name is Nick. I'm one of fairy godmothers and princesses. I'm here to shop you around and make all your selections for the day. You've got to be kidding me. <laughs> a man, a man is dressed as a woman, as a fairy godmother. Ooh, 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 I'm sorry. A fairy god birthing person. Let's get that terminology straight. And Disney, of course, scores high marks on the HRC corporate equality index. And they have done so for 16 straight years. Not to be outdone is North Face. Remember when North Face used to cater to outdoors people, camping people, people, you know, with flannel shirts? Now they're catering to drag queens. This is a literal ad with a drag queen advertising for North Face, which I have no idea how this sells for North Face customers, but evidently they believe in it. So here it goes. 
Hi, it's me, Patagonia, a real-life homosexual. And today, I'm here with the North Face. We are here to invite you to come out in nature with us. Wow, this is nice. We like to call this little tour the Summer of Pride. This tour has everything. Hiking, community, art, lesbians, lesbians making art. Last year, we gay saw shade across the nation and celebrated pride across the nation with hundreds of you across the nation. This year, we're back, back, back again with two new stops. Atlanta, GA. Why? Because you're there. In Salt Lake City, we're coming for you. Howdy, can we go? Of course. This year, all these fabulous speakers will be coming from inside this TV to a nature near you. So come outside and celebrate the beautiful LGHGTV community. North Face. You know, when I think about camping, I definitely think about men dressed as sexy women. I, that always was put together in my mind. <laughs> ESG is taking over. DEI, CEI, this is the new America. This is the new America business. Meanwhile, Biden uh, has decided to exercise his first veto overriding a law that the Republican House put together to make sure that your retirement funds did not have to bow the knee to the ESG, DEI, CEI standards. And so Biden, always the um, meat puppet for the LGBTQIA ideologues, has vetoed the measure. Now, this means, just so you know, that your retirement your retirement account is now dependent on government forcing corporations to get on board with climate alarmism. Your, 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 your retirement is the people that they invest in, the companies that they invest in. They've got to invest in the climate pro Greta Thunberg corporations and ideologies, or they don't get support from the federal government. Now, I said climate alarmism because that is exactly what it is. Remember in 2009, this is Senator John Kerry, 2009, listen to what he says. What was, what was supposed to happen in 2014 didn't happen. And this same shtick just gets rinsed and repeated every five years. Watch. In five years, scientists predict we will have the first ice-free Arctic summer. That exposes more ocean to sunlight. Ocean is dark. I love the blah, blah, it blah. It consumes more of the heat from blah, the blah, sunlight. Blah, 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 blah. Which it's then true. It's just blah, 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 blah. the rate of... Of the, of the melting blah, blah, blah. and warming blah, blah, rather than blah. the ice sheet blah. and the snow that blah, used blah, to reflect it back blah. up into the atmosphere. Blah, blah, blah. I mean, he is so full of it, and they are all full of it, and it's constant and never-ending. So in 2014, John Kerry said that in, in 2009, John Kerry said in 2014, we were supposed to have our first ice-free ice Arctic summer. Didn't happen. Now, ice has dissipated in the Arctic, but it's increased in the Antarctic region. And gee, maybe... Maybe the globe goes through fluctuations. Maybe it goes north and south. Maybe, maybe we aren't at this cataclysmic moment that they keep liking us to, to think about. But, but your retirement now, your retirement fund has got to be indexed with companies that are high scores on the ESG DEI index. Um, H.L. Mencken rightly said this, too, about all of this. He said, the urge to save humanity is almost always a false face for the urge to rule it. And that sadly brings me now to Chick-fil-A. Chick-fil-A has hired a DEI officer, and I don't know what to think. I don't know what to think. This uh, new officer is named Eric McReynolds. He is the vice president of diversity, equity, and inclusion. He says, "Quote: Chick-fil-A restaurants have long recognized as been wrong has have long been recognized as a place where people know they will be treated well. Modeling care for others starts in the restaurant, and we are committed to ensuring mutual respect, understanding, and dignity everywhere we do business. These tenants are good business practices and crucial to fulfilling our corporate purpose." 
Uh, in another article, in another quote from Cliff Robinson, Executive Vice President, Chief People Officer, he says, "Sitting in other seats, believing the best in each other, and honoring our differences are critical to becoming better at t- together and crucial to growing Chick Fil A's culture of care." So um, here's the problem. Chick-fil-A's purpose is there up on the top of the screen. To glorify God by being a faithful steward of all that is entrusted to us. To have a positive influence on all who come into contact with Chick-fil-A. How do we glorify God, okay, by honoring differences, okay, with people who think that marriage is between a man and a man? Or a woman and a woman? How do we honor God by, by doing that? We, we don't. Now, I will give one little qualifier here and just make sure that you see it. Um, right below this committed to being together article, it says this, our founder, True Kathy, believed that a great company is a caring company. And since the beginning, care has been at the center of everything we do. We understand that the path toward a better together, better at together looks different for every business. At Chick-fil-A Inc., our commitment to, this, to approach this work with intention and humility, always believing the best in one another and striving for common ground. We're early on in the journey, but we're honored by the opportunity to steward our organization's greatest asset, our people, and are energized by the road ahead. Now, I guess the, that little qualifier, it's different at every business. Mm, maybe that's their way out of saying there are some things that we can agree with and there are some things that we are not in agreement with. But it really is alarming to see Chick-fil-A take this stand. Because what's happening right now is there is a pushback against woke. And the pushback is stoked. So take, for instance, Target. What a difference a week makes. The Target CEO says in May 17th that woke capitalism is great for their brand and the right way for society. And six days later, it's losing $10 billion in value. And May 23rd, it's holding emergency meetings for LGBTQ merchandise in some stores to avoid the Bud Light situation. So, you know, there is a pushback. There is a pushback to woke and it is stoked. And that, that, that's, that's, actually, that's actually very good for people. I love this song that made it at the top of the charts on Apple Music and Spotify. It's called Boycott Target. It's by an artist called Jimmy Levy, and here he is dancing through the store talking about how it is basically godless. Pressure, we need to clean up on every island side. This door, Satan resides. Wash it with the blood of Christ. It's needed here, so don't think twice. They think with a Satanist. We don't know this is the end. God is coming for All right, anyway, sounds good. I like it. <laughs> the question is, what can we do? Well, we can continue to what we are we can continue to do what we are doing and that is sending our dollars elsewhere. Finding places to shop and eat and and frequent that don't promote this insanity into our culture. It's working. I amazing. I mean, I have heard of boycotts from the Christians and the conservatives for years. They never work. They never work. They always sputter out. But this Bud Light thing has worked. And I know it's not just Christians. I know it's not just Christians. It's, it's just people who say, look, I don't want to drink beer that supports a guy literally insulting women through his 365 days of girlhood. Um, the Bud Light sales are down nearly 30% since April 1st in the Dylan Mulvaney disaster. That's Outkick Sports reporting. Uh, Target, like I said, lost $10 billion. Who knows what's going to happen to Kohl's? Check these equality indexes. Check the CEI numbers. Find out the companies that you can support. I know there's always exceptions where you just can't do anything about it. 
But I think about beer, how stupid do you have to be? Because there's a thousand different kinds of beer out there. You can get a beer, uh, any kind of beer. You can avoid almost any kind of beer and still drink a lot of beer, right? You got to be stupid to do this. Uh, I guess there's a report that the shelves for beer in stores around the country were stocked full of Bud Light and hardly any other beer for Memorial Day weekend. Uh, the company's offering cashback rebates of $15 if you buy a case of beer for $18, which means that you will get that case of 24 beers for $3. That's how desperate they are to keep their business going. Uh, the New York Post reports about this. Here's something else you can do. Uh, the Public Square app, which seeks to connect pro-American businesses and shoppers, it is a online shopping destination to connect you to people who sh uh, do business according to your values. So maybe check it out. Public Square app, I don't know. Um, the uh, CEO also says the real goal was to prioritize supporting small businesses, but the mission has expanded to include supporting any business with similar values. And I would like to say yes. Support places that support your values. There is absolutely nothing wrong with it. Here's a place that you can shop to support your values, timhatchlight.com. Hello, what about that transition? So check it out, there's new merch on the website, there's new swag, you can get it all, a hold of it right now. Head on over to timhatchlive.com, support this channel, or you can just send money to the channel through the cash app, timhatchlive or timhatchlive.com support. And I appreciate all of those who listen, who support us financially. You are helping get this message out further than ever before. We just crossed 3,000 subscribers, so if you aren't, whoops, Hello. <laughs> if you aren't subscribed, click that subscription button now. Get us to 4,000 subscribers. I think it was one of the shortest 1,000 subscriber leaps from 2,000 to 3,000. So thank you. We are growing um, every day, and I'm so thankful for your support. Tomorrow night, I definitely will be back with the deep dive. Can't wait to dive into that content with you in 2 Kings chapters, I believe, 8 and 9. So thanks for being here, guys. I'm so glad that I can bring this content to you. I'm so glad that you enjoy it and watch it. And uh, you matter to me. You matter to God. And thank God that we matter to him. Amen. God bless you. Have a good night.